Come on to my house, my house, I'm gonna give you candy. Come on to my house, my house, I'm gonna give you apple plum and I forgot to do it. Welcome to the Hot Stove Society Show hey. on Cairo Radio. There we That's go. That's better. You're listening to us on Cairo. Uh, we are uh, thankful that you've tuned in, whether in your garden, in your car, or in your podcast. Oh, in your kitchen. Or in your kitchen. Why not, huh? We're at the beautiful Hotel Andra in downtown Seattle, 4th and Virginia. Come make a staycation sometime. You can have stay at the Andra, uh, have breakfast at Lola, or have breakfast here at the radio show, and then have lunch at Lola. That's right. Why not? Or the Dahlia Bakery. Why not? And a slice of pizza on the way out. Exactly. Take, take some pie home for dinner. Uh, you can purchase uh, tickets for our show at thehotstovesociety.com, or you can watch the taping on YouTube. Just go to Tom Douglas & Co. on YouTube and sign up for our channel. That would be subscribe. It's free. Subscribe for us. Let's see. If you can't make the radio show, there's some uh, good classes coming up in September. The knife skills. That's always a popular class. Some people just don't. It's like golf, right? They just start poorly, and so they continue poorly instead of taking a lesson so we have a knife skills class and of course uh, uh, we have pizza at home class i think it's once a month so knife skills is the 16th of september and pizza at home is the 23rd you teach them how to sharpen your knife too i don't because i'm the worst knife sharpener in the world maybe you should come and teach people how to you don't really sharpen your knives as much as you hone them is that true there's a big difference between the two well I, i own them because i do it often enough so i don't have to sharpen them right you don't have to grind them so i don't have to grind them yeah yeah you do it frequently. There's a big difference, and I don't think people realize that. That's why we have a nice right, skills right. class. Uh, we got a big show today, two full hours. It's uh, Maui Strong. Uh, we're going to do an event here at the um, Hot Stove, and then we've also asked our listeners for some thoughts on how, as a radio show, maybe we could do our own event uh, as a show team, both listeners and you and I. And so we're going to get into some of those suggestions in the second segment. Uh, Charlie's Produce is here, Cultivating Fresh. Pickle me this. Izzy and Madeline are going to join us to talk about pickling. Uh, it's a good time right now because uh, we're in that part of the season where you've got an abundance of everything. It's time to put some, some stuff away. I just pickled some shiso yesterday because somebody brought me enough shiso. Alice from Alice Garden brought me enough shiso to... Uh, yeah, so I pickled them because I didn't know what else to do with it because I didn't have a... I mean, I could have cooked them, I guess, but, you know, they lose their flavor when you cook shiso. Just the leaves? Shiso gonna, leaves. You, you yeah, pickled stems. the shiso leaves? Oh, oh the, and the stems. I see. A whole bunch of them. You have to tell me about that. Alan Shapiro is going to join us to talk about the Cider Summit here in Seattle, the 12th annual, which is back on September 8th and 9th. Uh, food in the News... Some thirsty raccoons in Germany. I don't know if you read about them, but I sure did. <laughs> and uh, Chef Terry, uh, since you are such a trashy food eater, uh-huh. uh, this year at my house, the beverage of choice is going to be Ego Nog. Ego? So, Ego Nog. So just saying. And did you know our Secretary of State or Treasury or whatever she is, Janet Yellen, she's the Treasury, I think, is made mushrooms famous in China. We're going to talk about that later Mushroom in the show. Famous. Mushrooms famous in China. You and I are going to make fruit salad because all the fruits are in play right now. Yep. Plums, nectarines, peaches, apricots, melons, everything's in play. Apples are starting. Apple, well, no, I'm not doing apples yet. Not okay. until uh, September. All the fruits. All the fruits. But not apple. But you and I are going to talk about adding herbs to fruit salad. Sure. Why not? What makes a great shrimp cocktail? It's one of my dad's favorite uh, a good dishes. Shrimp. And I love good shrimp cocktail good shrimp is just part of the deal though so we're gonna you're gonna have to stay tuned to hear what makes a great shrimp cocktail not just a good one and of course we're going to wrap up the show with food for thought tasty trivia brought to you by rub with love spice rubs it's traditionally time for our taste of the week i went to visit il 
Encanto uh, in Kirtland, which is a Mexican restaurant um, on the water, which is um, Gabriel Chavez, who used to have Chavez, is a chef there. Up on Capitol Hill. Up on Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. Absolutely delicious. I recommend it if you like Mexican food. It is beautiful, delicate, and just you know, none of that. Like Often you go to some Mexican restaurant mm-hmm. and it's too, you know, it's just made for American. And this is delicious Anxious food. I mean, we had some chili relleno, which was probably one of the best one I've ever had. And how did they do the the um, egg around the outside, the egg white? Was I, it light and fluffy? Was very it heavy? light. Very light. Yeah. I mean, it's super delicious. Because I think of that being best when it's in relationship to, say, tempura. You know how tempura right. breading is a light breading compared to a lot of Yeah. I'm breading. not even sure then, then there was any kind of, I don't know. I don't know how he did it. Super delicious. Okay. I wish I, I would talk to him. I wish he was there. He, he just left when I was finished, and I was going to talk to him, but he had to go home. So um, I didn't ask him, but we should have him on and uh, tell us how he does all his um, beautiful dishes because um, I had a, a shrimp taco. Uh-huh. Sounds very simple and very – it was very delicious. Kind of a, a good take. Like I really enjoyed the one at your restaurant uh-huh. and um, the fish taco I had. And it, in the same context of very light uh, slaw – you know, very nice mixed vegetable. Sounds delicious. It's really, really good. So I recommend it. And Il Encanto. Okay. There's another new uh, Mexican high-ender. Higher, high-ender. Is that, a, is that a term? That's a new Style, one. Uh, that I know Charlie and Courtney went to. Charlie of Charlie's Produce. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last night called Adrian on uh, Old Main, I think, in, in Bellevue. They're coming around. And my taste of the week is uh, something that I made. How about that, huh? That sounds good. I took uh, a skirt steak, which is kind of like considered kind of a chef's cut right. a skirt or hanger steak. Uh, but you don't want to cut it the wrong way. You definitely don't want to cut it the wrong <laughs> way. And this one was a little bit tough, uh, so I had to cut it thinner. But anyway, I took a skirt steak and I mixed quince balsamic, so quince juice that was made into wine and then air barrel aged as balsamic. Oh, wow. And then I mixed it with our smoked paprika from our rub line. Uh-huh. Robert Love smoked paprika. Sure. Mixed the two and made a paste and put it on my skirt steak. And then with skirts, it's a thin steak, like right. uh, like hanger. So you have to go super high heat if you want to get a crust and right. still have it be rare in the middle. And so I did this. And with the quince balsamic, it's sweet enough that it caramelized on the outside. Delicious. Yeah, it sounds I'm good. I'm just saying. So was Love. it grilled or was it seared? Hot grilled over mesquite charcoal. Mm. Mm. Super delicious. Sounds so. very good. Yeah, I was pretty proud of myself. <laughs> if you couldn't tell. Still, still are. Still are. Uh, we got lots to talk about, including uh, uh, the Maui Strong fundraiser doing here at the, at the hot stove. And also Amy Richardson, one of our former producers, is going to come on and talk about the phenomena that is girl dinner. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stoves is Hide Show, 97.3. Her knees were almost touching my Smokey Joe's Cafe. Her chill was running down my spine at Smokey Joe's Cafe. Oh, I could smell a sweet perfume. She smiled at me, my heart went boom. Then everybody in the room at Smokey Joe's Cafe. They said, man, be careful. That pig belongs to Smokey Joe. Plate, add some coke in my cup. Give me some chicken flakes to find. Living past me, a lettuce of 
Welcome back to the Hot Stove Society Show. We're happy that you're with us. I can smell breakfast being made back there. It smells so good. We've got the blueberry muffins in front of us. Uh, let's talk about uh, Maui Strong, you know, the tragedy that is Maui right now. There's still 850 people missing as of this morning, uh, along with the 114 that they've already found. I don't know what to say about that other than we have to jump in and do something. We're going to do a couple of things. One uh, is the uh, Maui Strong event here, which benefits Maui Strong here at the hot stove. And if you came to our Julia Child event, you'll remember that it was a walkabout. So we created stations throughout the area, both in the bar and here in, in the room. So there's no seating. It's a walkabout. But, uh, and we're going to have different foods from Maui, like Lomi Lomi Salmon with Spicy Tokyo Rub, Taro Chips, Wok Chard Edamame, Spam Masubi. Absolutely, you must. my daughter's favorite. Uh, Manapua, uh, which is a spiced pork bao. Uh-huh. Sounds delicious. Mango Cabbage Slaw, True Hawaiian Macaroni Salad, Kalua Paua. You have to pronounce all the vowels. Yes, right. Hard. Roasted pork with cabbage and steamed rice. And a passion colada and guava mochi donut. Nice. How about that? Uh, you're going to be able to purchase Mai Tais and Planters Punches as cocktails. And 75% of the ticket sales price will be donated directly to Maui Strong. Uh, I wish we could donate 100%, but... no. It's, Please don't. Uh, it's a hundred dollar ticket price. Seventy five dollars goes to Maui Strong. The other twenty five goes to pay the team that's putting it on here at the hot stove. The other one that were I had asked you last week an impassioned plea, and I didn't get as many responses as I was hoping for. Uh, I got four responses, so I'm going to ask you one more time before we decide what we're going to do as a radio show. But I had asked you, our listeners, how do we combine the talents of Chef Terry and myself and you all? to put on, put on and do some sort of event. I mean, we do events for every cause there is, and we're happy to do it, but this time I wanted our show listeners to kind of jump in and give us some ideas of how we could do it together. So I got a few. Uh, uh, one was um, have people donate their unused cookbooks and then do a book sale, and yeah. all the produ- uh, proceeds go to this, I believe it's the soup ladies over in Kirkland that are over there serving soup right now. We could decide what that what the proceed uh, what the charity is for that. A virtual luau was from uh, Corinne, who was on the show last week playing t- food for thought tasty trivia. Right, right. So a virtual luau that would be kind of fun. Yeah, and uh, we could do a, a thousand people for that. <laughs> and if we could get everyone to donate fifty bucks, say, yeah. uh, we would do it for free, and uh, we'd use the room here for free. And uh, but people would pay fifty dollars for a ticket to come to the luau. Virtually. Figure out how, yeah, virtually, how to get them a little something, a little taste of Hawaii maybe in the mail. Let's see here. There's another Cairo program. I heard a nonprofit group from Black Diamond. These are the soup ladies. Uh, I believe they are already there in Maui feeding people soup. Uh, it's going to take some time, as, as you can imagine. And uh, this person, uh, Ben, does not have a lot of cash to donate, but would gladly volunteer any labor for some sort of fundraiser. He's a former chef. And so that would be and that's very a, helpful. a reminder for everybody. Use the three T's. Right. Time, talent, and treasure. Some, some people have it all. Some yep. people have one of those. But uh, we know you, everyone has at least one of those. Correct. Yeah. And then there's also, you can make donation also uh, to the Kokua Restaurant and Hospitality Fund. Uh, you can find that on the internet. And uh, I guess we can post that on the yeah. site too. And it's, uh, it's all to help the restaurants that are closed in um, Lahaina. 
And who's your friend that's doing meals over there from his restaurant that uh, was spared? What, there is uh, Chef Joey. Uh-huh. That's another place where you can also donate. He's got a, a GoFundMe page, right? Every single day since the fire, I've been feeding people. Yeah. The whole crew and everything. They are not. Their restaurant is still up because it's in Nipili, which is right next to Lahana. Lahaina. But um, they're feeding people every single day who are out and about. So it's another place you can go. Go find me a Chef Joey. Another, another place you can help. Five bucks, ten bucks, a hundred, right. five hundred. Or just go out and round up ten people that can afford Correct. a ticket or That's a the, $50. The whole thing about right. helping, you feel helpless in the size of the disaster. You're not alone. You know many people at work, at home, friends, family. Gather everybody. Everybody gives five bucks. Next thing you know, you just, you know, you get some money. It, everything helps. So Absolutely. Uh, Chef, do you see who's sitting at the microphone? It's a familiar face. Yes. Our old uh, director, Amy. Our old producer, Amy Richardson, is here. Amy, welcome. Hi. I saw you Hi. in the audience, and we were laughing about some of the show content. Mm-hmm. And you told me something that I, uh, that's super trendy hot right now, but I had no idea. Yeah. I, it could be because I'm not a girl. It could be. But um, I don't know that for a fact. Well, it'll be fun talking about this with you boys, boy chefs, too. Uh-huh. Girl dinner. It is. You guys know about this? <laughs> Look at everyone shaking. Yeah. Girl what dinner. What is it? Yeah. Well, our secret is out. So, girl dinner is a meal typically consisting of snacks, sides, small portions of random assembled things from your fridge or, you know, a beautifully curated girl dinner. Uh-huh. Um, it's fun to see this all over the internet because girls are sharing their girl dinners. Uh-huh. Um, I won't get into the controversy of that it's not a well-balanced meal, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We're just going to celebrate the fun of it because people are sharing all over Instagram or whatever their social thing is. Uh-huh. Um, Have you done one of these? Well, I mean, we've been doing this for years. Okay. <laughs> so I would say, you know, maybe your partner's gone or you don't have your kids or you just want to like have a alone night and mm-hmm. watch a movie and you have girl dinner. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my girl dinner would probably be uh, a stick of cream che- or string cheese, maybe one meatball. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. That's how you're... I'm not done. Okay. I'm not done. Okay. okay. Let so us speak. Okay. Think about like a really cool charcuterie board, but mm-hmm. of these random things. So one stick of string cheese, uh-huh. a single meatball, maybe a couple pieces of broccoli and hummus, probably something crunchy, like a little bit of popcorn, um, a scoop of cottage cheese, and maybe something sweet. Okay, that would be mine that I'm thinking right now, but mm-hmm. maybe it's something even super random. I was just talking with our social media manager, Kelsey, just a few minutes ago about this, and her girl dinner last night was, you know, like, one chicken nugget, a scoop of cottage cheese. No way, cheese. one chicken nugget. How do you stop? <laughs> it's girl dinner. <laughs> <laughs> you could just assemble this all, and you're just, like, snacking on it. So do you, do you invite a certain number that matches the amount of nuggets you have? Um, well, you just have more. You know, like, you're not... It's, plate is a chicken nugget, a scoop of cottage cheese, okay. a carrot. All right. it's, but it's all fun things that you love, but you're just like snacking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's mostly dinner. snacking. Not, it's not like you say, oh, I'm going to make a dish tonight. It's more like snacking. It's more, yeah, it's not it's like all a, these a random club. things. All the supper club. It's no. not like a supper club. No, it's like yeah. your dream charcuterie board. Uh-huh. 
And that is a girl dinner. And it's so fun. And girls have been doing this forever, right? You watch a movie? You read a book? What do you do? You do whatever you want to do. You just chat amongst yourselves? No. You can... You Oh, wine is good. Uh, You you forget the major ingredients. That just fixed everything. (laughs) Exactly. We've been doing this forever, but uh-huh. our secret's out, and it's fun, and you should look at on, look at on it online, because oh, girl dinner's fun. Now we're going to be well. looking at girls' dinner. That's yeah. going to be If fun. you're having a girl dinner, I want a picture of okay. a single chicken nugget that you're... Yeah. <laughs> uh, hot stove Who did Tom not Douglas. finish the com. Exactly. I want to see a picture of this. All right. Thanks, Ames, for yeah. uh, filling us Thank in you. on this amazingly trendy subject. Up next, it's Charlie's Produce Time, Cultivating Fresh. We're going to talk a little bit about... Pickle, pickle me this, Batman on Cairo Radio, 97.3 FM. I need home, home cooking. Yeah, I need home, home cooking. Yeah. I just want to be a pickle. Get my booty in that brine. Lord, just let me wear my whistle. And I think it would be nice if I could scrap the salads, share some deal, and join the Mutton Society. Welcome back to the Hot Stove Society show on Cairo. It's time for the Charlie's Produce Cultivating Fresh segment. And if you remember way back when this started a month or two ago, Madeline and Izzy were here, and Madeline took the mic and just ran with it uh, because uh, she is a showboat. Um, which is why she has named this segment Pickle Me This, Batman. And uh, So tell us, uh, team, you're from Charlie's Produce. Yes. You see literally tons of produce go out every day. And I don't know if you've ever seen Charlie golf, but he hits a banana slice. Just saying. It's totally appropriate. And tell us about Pickle Me This. Are you taking home produce from Charlie's? Are you going to the Met Market again and stealing one bean at a time. <laughs> what are you doing? How are you, where, where do we want to start here? We are both pickle enthusiasts, uh-huh. not pickle professionals. Yeah. But being surrounded by produce all day brings up a lot of questions about what would make a good pickle, uh-huh. which has become a topic of conversation in the office. Really? Almost daily. Yeah. <laughs> we just, you know, back and forth. Uh-huh. So, about pickles. what makes a good pickle? We have a couple of those questions for you in our opinion, Wait a minute, I just asked a question. Well, we, we have specific questions okay. on if these pickles are a good idea, but what we think a good pickle is, is a dill pickle. Your classic yep. kosher, get that tang. No doubt. I, I want my face to make that sour face where it's like, ooh, like that's the perfect pickle. Uh-huh. Have you, like it with, have uh, you spicy or not? Just garlic and dill? All or? is good. All yeah, is good. I kind of, kind of same. All yeah. is good. All is good. So you're looking for sweet and acidic no, at the same time. No. Never no. sweet pickle. Yeah, we don't like not sweet. sweet ones not sweet. We no. have a bit of a vendetta against sweet pickles. Really? Got it. So yes. cucumber chips are not your deal. No. Not your jam. Have you okay. ever had cornichon? Mm-hmm. The yeah. French. I like cornichons. Those are great. Cornichons are really, really good. I eat so many of those. So why are they're dill though, right? Well, I like this. Well, vinegar. I like I like the acidic part of it. The, yeah. It's mm-hmm. really deep in acid, and. Um, uh, coriander and peppercorn in it, and a little tarragon sometimes, depends on who's making them. Uh, it's not necessarily that the pickling itself is 
more fragrant than just vinegar. Mm-hmm. But the, the little gherkins that they use mm-hmm. is just so nice and crunchy. It stays crunchy. And that's one thing I like. I don't like mushy pickle. No. Oh, it's got to be crisp. Not very soft pickle is not very attractive to me. Now, what about, uh, there's a couple kinds of pickles, right? There's mm-hmm. salt kind of pickled pickles, like right. uh, Japanese plums or... Uh, kimchi. Uh, kimchi. Kimchi or daikon root. salt. A lot of those have a lot of food coloring in them, too, uh, besides the, the, the salt. But, uh, <laughs> and then there's also the vinegar, which is what you were just right. talking about, more of a vinegar-based pickle. What's your biggest surprise pickle encounter? Surprise pickle Because it encounter. sounds like you might seek them out wherever you go. Like for me, it was the, Surprise s- the salted plums uh, and how popular they are in Asian culture. I mean, kimchi is obviously super popular, but these are the surprise. And the I think it's called taco, T-A-K-O, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, mm-hmm. The uh, yellow daikon. Oh. oh, that's it could be octopus. I, I uh, think octopus. I'm getting... Taco is that October? Uh, yeah. There's another one, the long yellow daikon root that's been pickled, or burdock root is mm-hmm. also oh, another okay. one. But uh, Most interesting. I think salted plum, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, the first time I heard of that, I was like, that's not a pickle. And then you Google it, and you're like, okay, well, it does fall under the definition. <laughs> yeah. um, but most surprisingly delicious was on uh, Granville Island in Vancouver, B.C. Mm-hmm. There is a little pickle maker that makes... Primarily cucumber pickles, so kind of what you expect, but the absolute craziest flavors thrown in there. They have all kinds of peppers, all kinds of garlic. I think they had a ginger dill jalapeno that Uh was really chaotic, Uh but absolutely delicious. (laughs) And ever since we started talking about this, I've been saying that it's time to go back and buy all of their pickles because I cannot remember their name. (laughs) And now I need to find them again now they're going to be sorry you could have made them famous it's yeah. true. Granville <laughs> island pickle little pickler and that's a true thing that you can definitely go crazy with the spicing of the actual vinegar or the brine you're using for pickling mm-hmm. i mean you can go nuts because there's a lot of options especially this time of year in this part of the world we have all these herbs in the garden i mean that's such an easy thing to do to just take vinegar a little water sugar if you want into it and then drop in some tarragon tons of tarragon or basil Ooh. or rosemary or so many different herbs and then instantly you pick up that flavor whatever you add to that will definitely pick it up so so what were some of the questions you had for chef terry and myself i think our first question and this is a madeline uh conception here is (laughs) does pickling unripe peaches or nectarines in balsamic sound like a good idea so does pickling unripe Right. Well, because we semi ripe, so it's you, firm, so know, it doesn't you've seen turn the whole to mush. Oh, yeah, 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 thing, yeah, 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 right? Or green mm-hmm. plum. Thing. Well, I think I would, I would try the nectarine first to find out okay. if there is any flavor to it. Because yeah. uh, I've had nectarine yesterday, for example. I had a nectarine that was not ripe, but super delicious. And I was like, you know what? This is amazing to me that that nectarine is already delicious and it's not quite ripe. It needed another two days with a banana in a brown bag. So, but then it would make a good pickle, is what you're saying, though. Then it would yeah. make a delicious pickle. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. So, yes. you have to try, I would recommend try one first, see what the stage of the fruit is at before you pickle it, because you don't want to pickle a bunch of nothing. You ah. want to pickle something oh. that's really worth it. And if it's not ready yet, just, again, put it in a, just wait a day or put it in a brown bag with a banana and it will ripen in one day. Right. Next yeah. question. And I will say that is something that's really nice about this season is we have so many things right. that are at their 
perfect pickling point, yep. especially because it's it's going to go also, away here real soon. You know, there's yeah. something else that goes with that, which is the volume at this point because mm-hmm. prices come down and it's a good time to preserve. <laughs> it is. And another trick, <clears throat> if you go to a farmer's market at closing time and <clears throat> they have leftover fruit that they can't sell because it's bruised or whatever, those make great purees, pickle, whatever you want to do. You just pile the part that's not good and the rest can do a great pickle. And you get it for very much less money. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, a very controversial question that we had for the two of you. It was, invented, it was invented by the French, Okay. just in case that was uh-huh. controversial. <laughs> well, we weren't, we weren't going to go there, but we this did want to win. know, between dill and bread and butter pickles, which really divide some people, bread where do you two stand? Bread and butter being a sweet kind of cucumber slice. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going with the first one because I don't like sweet. So good, I'm going bread answer. and butter. Oh. Not necessarily for what the reason you might think, because I like dill in some things, like tuna salad, but I grew up on white bread ham, ketchup, or Heinz chili sauce, and bread and butter pickles with butter. Okay. And so it's just a taste. It's a family taste that I have. We'll, we'll, we'll say it was nurture, not nature. Yeah. We'll, so let we it, we'll let it, it slide just okay. this time. <laughs> all right. So one last question for you all. Do you eat pickles by themselves or, as I just suggested, sliced on a sandwich? Or do you, will you sit and eat a half a jar of pickles? Yes. Girl dinner. Girl, girl I was dinner. just about to okay. say girl dinner. All right. <laughs> I like a piece of toast with that. <laughs> do you? What, you? what about you, Chef? <coughs> Usually I eat them with other things, but I'm known to take cornichon and eat six of them before I sit down for dinner with more cornichon on my plate. So, um, yes, I would say both. I'm, I'm definitely not going to stop at the fact that I'm eating it with something or nothing. All right. I had pickled uh, blackberries on halibut last Ooh. night. So there's... I like the whole sweet fruit with uh, vinegar pickling. Those are quick pickles, right? Those are done in the half hour. So, All right. So if you want to find some where Charlie's delivers, you can follow him to any of our restaurants. Follow the big Charlie's trucks. You can go to Ken's Market up on Greenwood and Queen Anne, Hagen's, Wajamaya, McPherson's, Met Markets, Frank's in the Market, Thriftways, QFC's, and Tacoma Boys. Tacoma Boys carries our spice rub, too. Oh. In case you guys ever want it when you're making a sales call. Just say, do you need any more salmon pick- rub to yeah. sell? Or when you're pickling something. Throw some of that there in. You go. Well, some of our spice rub works great for pickling. Yeah. Like our Ooh. roast rub and things like that. So, especially quick pickles. All right, Alan Shapiro is going to join us next to uh, talk Cider Summit here in Seattle. Thank you, Madeline. And thank you, Izzy, for uh, joining us today. Thank Charlie you. Thanks Both for having us. Fresh. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Chicken wing, bro, not fried. No gravy, no biscuits, no pie. And his diet and diet and diet and diet and sure is a rough way to die. So pass me a carrot stick, peel me a prune, a glass of skim milk, and that's all. Turn off the TV, that Big Mac commercial, it's driving me right up the wall. And I'm thinking of French fries. Sausage and waffles, spaghetti and cookies and cake. Each night I'm dreaming of chocolate ice cream and I'm starving to death when I wake. I am a cider drinker. I drink throughout the day. I am a cider drinker. It soon's all me troubles away. We are back in the hot stove kitchens here in downtown Seattle. How's breakfast so far? 
<laughs> you have ruby char there, a little Spanish tortilla, and some uh, little hot seared <clears throat> chorizo sausages. Delicious little thing to go with your blueberry muffin and your coffee. Alan Shapiro is uh, joining us uh, on Zoom to talk about the 12th Annual Cider Summit, Seattle, which is uh, back in town on September 8th and 9th. And we're excited to, to have him. Alan, tell us about the Cider Summit and, and uh, what people can expect to find there. I know. Let me sure, guess. We, cider. Exactly. Nice to be back with you guys. This is our, uh, we actually started in 2010. So, but for a couple of year interruption, we'd be on, you know, year number 14, but at its, uh, pardon the bad pun, at its core, um, Cider Summit is really about exposing uh, people to the huge variety and styles of ciders with a real emphasis on Northwest producers, but we also like to have products from across the country and some of the classic cider producing regions uh, around the world, England and France and Spain. And this year, I think we've also got Germany and Poland and some other surprises. So it's really um, the region's largest uh, hard cider sampling opportunity. And we mix in some fruit spirits and some meads and a few cider slushies and and, uh, lots of surprises. So in total, we have about nearly 50 producers and about 150 selections in total. Where do you take a nap afterwards? <laughs> that's that's entirely everyone's discretion. But, so you know, what we, are, want, what we are, want everyone to drink responsibly, right? So. Exactly. What are some of the highlights in uh, Washington State? We've got a nice mix of cider producers that have been with us for a long time, like Finn River uh-huh. over on the peninsula. I think you're you're well familiar with and sure. Snowdrift Cider over in East Wenatchee. And um, and then a couple of, of newer companies with a whole range of very modern fruit forward styles to classics. So there's a couple new ones. Uh, one's called Slightly Furry. Another one called Dry Humor. Uh, more of an artisan producer that's been winning a lot of awards that's with us um, is Empirical Orchards in Snohomish. And um, so the um, really you can. We'd call it a kind of a, um, both the cider curious and the cider geeks can find something that uh, they can enjoy. What would be your if I was coming there for the first time and never had cider or don't know anything about cider? What's the what's the way to get through that festival? Well, so we um, publish in advance an event guide, which I will hold up for you briefly, and that's downloadable on our site on the producers tab at uh, cidersummit.com. And I encourage people to kind of have a plan. So a couple different ways to go. We have uh, something called the Oregon Fruit Products Fruit Cider Challenge, where a dozen of our producers have done pilot batch fruit ciders, and we're actually doing a consumer popularity vote via QR code. So focusing on something like that's fun. Uh, As more of a cider geek, personally, I like to go to what we call our Heritage Cider Pavilion, and that features uh, 10 cideries who are really making orchard cider. And so people, it's a great place to get to know different varieties of cider apples and really, you know, taste the artisanal nature of many of the producers in this region. So if I'm going to have a drink during the festival at all, usually I'm a little too busy, but I'll be hanging out over there at the Heritage Cider Pavilion. When you say orchard cider, are you talking about orchards that specifically grow heirloom apples of different varieties to make a blended cider? Predominantly, some are making blends, but there are also uh, single varietal ciders that will be available there, like uh, Golden Russet, for example, 
Um, there'll be Macintosh, which is not, uh, you know, quite as much of a um, cider apple style. And so people can get a feel for both. I think generally cider makers like to blend, um, but I think the single varietal tasting is really interesting and educational, which has always been a component of the festival as well. One of the things that caught my eye, Terry, at the Cider Summit is probably more my style, which is uh, you can buy a plate, like a hosted four-course plate right. that um, will be from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. on Saturday, and that features a variety of Finn River. So you're, you're taking one cidery and kind of getting a variety like you would at a beer tasting right, at right. a brew pub, and then... It matches them up with Cypress Grove cheese and Salt Blade handcrafted meats. And that's more my style of rather than just going getting a pint here, a pint there. I, right. I like the whole f- food combination thing. Yeah, me too. It's much more my style of going through that kind of, especially, I think that's very educational. And if you want to get education, don't start with the 16 answers because you're not going to go very far. <laughs> right. gonna... That's a brand new feature for us um, this year. And so as you were mentioning, there's going to be four pairings featuring Finn River, uh, salt plate, handcrafted meats, uh, Cypress Grove, and their sister company, Cowgirl Creamery. And so that'll, that's a separate uh, ticket for pre, what we call pre-opening on Saturday from 11 to noon, as you mentioned. And that's really limited availability. So if people are interested in, in doing that, and it's terrific. You know, we've all been there where you have to sit down at those tasting sessions and come up with these pairings. And so we did that a couple of weeks ago, and I think people will really enjoy it. And I would encourage them to to grab that ticket as soon as they can before it sells out. And you do need to have a regular festival admission ticket as well to participate mm-hmm. in that. That's that's very fun. Yeah, that's see. My dream is, oh, but not my dream. My wish is go to a festival like this and pay a price for having a three ounce glass where I can go through anything I want during the festival and just pay one single price and just get a sample of everything so I can test it and educate myself about cider. Then I go back. And by the 16 ounces from where I want to. <laughs> yeah, people, I think, are really enjoying more interesting, unique, and curated experiences uh-huh. really within the festival. And so that's something we wanted to experiment uh, with this year. And then, as you were kind of referencing, Terry, we've also done something brand new where we're for this year, which is our big garden, or excuse me, our big poor garden and lounge area. So if you just want to sit back and have a little bit larger glass of cider, and we actually brought in a local brewery uh, for the first time as well. Um, you can hang out and enjoy the great views at, uh, on Lake Union and watch the boats and the seaplanes take off and hopefully enjoy a beautiful late summer day on the water. All right, Alan, give us the, the deets on how people get tickets, where this is taking place. You have about a minute. Sure. We are on Friday and Saturday, September 8th and 9th at Lake Union Park, which is right in front of Mohai on the water. So you can head to cidersummit.com, click on Seattle, and you can get your tickets online, which we strongly encourage. You'll save uh, some time and some money. There's also VIP tickets available, which will get you in exclusively from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. on Friday, an hour ahead of everyone else. If you want to have the chance to talk to cider makers, get a few extra tastes. And also you can hit our producers page on the site and uh, that'll take you through the full list of cider makers and you can download our event guide and look through all 150 ciders uh, so to plan your visit. So again, cidersummit.com. So quickly, one apple that you would prefer to make cider with, one. Oh, you know, I think the one that was the eye-opener for me was Kingston Black. Kingston yeah, nice. Black. There's your answer, Chef. There you go. I'm, I'm going to take a float plane from the Blue Ridge Park 
where I live, down onto Lake Union, and just fly right <laughs> into the Cider Summit. Sounds That's right. classy. You'll land right at the right at the big pour garden and lounge, is right next to Seaplane. So I we'll love that. Get away. All right, we thank you, Alan. We've got another hour of deliciousness coming your way, including uh, thirsty raccoons in Germany, magic mushrooms in China. All sorts of deliciousness on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3. Stay with us. Satan gave me a taco and it made me really sick. The chicken was all raw and the grease was mighty thick. The rice was all rancid and the beans were so hard I was getting kinda dizzy, eating all the lard There was aphids on the lettuce and I ate everyone and after We're back, it's time for hour number two on Cairo Radio It's the Hot Stove Society show from the Hotel Andra in downtown Seattle We're on the second floor in the back where the hot stove kitchens are Our little cooking school where we do Magic. We lots and lots and lots of events, both private, uh, you know, like business events, and also public classes like knife sharpening skills. And I'm doing this this Saturday night. I'm doing or when is that? Two nights from now, I'm doing a salmon class where we're butchering literally whole salmon with Trident seafoods. So good to teach people how to butcher their own salmon. And you are Tom Douglas. And yes, I am. And chef in the chapeau, Mister Roturo. Absolutely. He only talks in rhymes. Uh, chef, we have food in the news. We do. And I sent you a couple of things. Yes. And uh, I'll get your take on this. I uh, stopped laughing about a minute ago. But there's uh, one thing going d- down in China the uh, last couple of weeks. Uh, when Janet Yellen was there, the U.S. secretary uh, was setting off a culinary craze. Uh, she had a dish of magic mushrooms that apparently, if they're not cooked all the way, can send you into some sort of alternate atmosphere. All I want to know is, is the interest rate down? No. <laughs> no, exactly. It wasn't magic enough. <laughs> uh, it was her first restaurant. She got off the plane and went right to this restaurant in China and, had, and loved the mushroom dish so much that she had four plates of them. And now it's a, now it's a craze around China. And apparently, if you don't happen to cook these all the way, They've got some psychedelic qualities to them. So. And that's probably why she wanted four. Miss Yellen, uh, Yellen is saying that she, they were cooked all the way and she's just fine. Uh-huh. But um, she's going to go on. Uh, Miss Yellen doesn't know what happened between 9 and 10. <laughs> exactly. Uh, another one that caught my eye. Um, I'm going to read this. Uh, in 2023, beer-swilling raccoons aren't the, uh, aren't the first time that the little critters uh, have been spotted having a drink. In 2019, a visibly drunk raccoon was seen stumbling around the Christmas markets of the city of Erfurt, Germany. The animal overserved himself by drinking whatever mulled wine was left in the mostly empty cups and briefly entertained themselves with a woman's shoes and then passed out on a doorstep. A spokesman for the Erfurt Police Department told a German news outlet that the raccoon was obviously intoxicated before adding that a breathalyzer test on the animal was not carried out. They spent the night in jail and released the next morning. We hate to report that although local officials hoped to take the animal to a shelter, he was instead put down by the city hunter. Now, is that any way to treat a drunk raccoon? (laughs) Apparently, a hundred years ago, somebody introduced raccoons 
to uh, Germany. They are oh. not native species, and they are now... Uh, That's who the hunters are looking for. <laughs> well, the hunters took out 200,000 last year. The urban hunters did. To, uh, and so there's still many, many, many more. And the Germans like them, I guess, because uh, they like to wash their food first. Right. So there, there is a part of German society that are big fans of the raccoons. Huh. But apparently they love beer. They went 200,000 is a lot of raccoon. Yeah, they went into somebody's kitchen, opened the refrigerator, and took out all the beer and drank it. I can't make this stuff up. No, of course, because it's in the news. And then uh, last on my food in the news, uh, and this is Chef Annie here at the hot stove, is very fond of this, uh, this thing. This is by Jalissa Castrodale. Uh, between the juggle of constantly changing schedules, household errands, Family outings or busy work days, it can often feel impossible for parents to find moments they can savor for themselves. That's true. Have you run into that? You have two kids? Of course. Yeah. Well, I have a suggestion for you. Okay. All right. Ego brunch in a jar makes it easy for parents to kick back when they're not caring for their little ones. So whether parents want to punch up a weekend brunch or savor some of those classic brunch flavors during their downtime... This feel-good, ego-inspired... You know, ego is a waffle, like a frozen waffle, right? Oh, yeah, right? the brand. Oh, you, look, you were looking at me like you didn't know what I was talking no, about. No, I thought you I said... Forgot you, I that thought you, you were misspelling you ego. Eat, uh, I was like, what? Yeah, you don't eat junk food. I forget. I, I do eat uh, junk food. Uh, this feeling-good, ego-inspired liqueur is the perfect meal. As of this week, Ego Brunch in a Jar Sip and Cream is available in retailers throughout the U.S. and purchased can be purchased online in some states. It's unlike, uh, unlike its more seasonal sibling, Ego Nog. Sugarland's new brunch in a jar is designed to be enjoyed throughout the year. Uh, <laughs> working with Ego to bring Ego Nog to life was a tremendous experience. We're thrilled. It, you can taste the bacon. You can taste the French toast. You can taste the waffles and even the omelet. The egg, the ego and the omelet. Of course. Yeah. So everything is in the jar? I mean, everything is in the can? That's the idea is that it's all those flavors show up in your brunch in a jar through the ego. No. Sounds very natural. I love that. Yeah, it's delicious. Sounds like something from the farm. I just thought I would get you that for Christmas because... The uh, ego farm. At some time, <laughs> sometimes you want to cook yourself an ego waffle at any time of the day. Sure. Okay? No, thank you. That's disgusting. Uh, yes, I agree. Luckily, uh, they've already dropped the product, but uh, you know, I was going to talk to you about the Krispy Kreme M&M in a donut thing that was going on around the country. What was that? Say again? They were making Krispy Kreme donuts and stuffing them with baby M&Ms. And what happened? There's somebody in the audience said, ooh, yum. Ooh, yum. <laughs> yeah, so the chocolate melts and, and the sugar and... No, no, no. They, they, uh, yeah. Luckily, it's off the menu. We don't have to worry about that. Ah, okay. Did they get uh, in trouble for it or... No, no, no. There was a, it was a planned... Uh, so it was really big. It, was, it must have been really went big. nationwide. Wow. Only in America, as they say. It's, some of these things can... You know, the, I thought putting an, a hamburger on a glazed Krispy Kreme was over the top. But Yeah, that is. I know. I get chills when I eat a <laughs> Krispy Kreme donut because of the sugar, and I can't imagine adding M&Ms to that. <laughs> I can't see it. I mean, once you're... It was, oh, you cannot, When you're chef. that deep in sugar, I might as well go for broke. I think, I think it would be good to have like a Mars bar, cut it in small pieces and put that in a donut. You do? Yeah, because that would be like falling apart, like caramelly, and I think that'd be good. Okay, in the break, I'm going to vomit, and then I'm, we'll be right back to talk about <laughs> making fruit salad with herbs on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show. 97.3 a pound. We're at the Pizza Hut. What? We're at the 
Taco Bell. What? We're at the combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. We at the Pizza Hut. No. We at the Taco Bell. No. We at the combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. What? Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs All right, let's make a fruit salad, Chef <laughs> We're back, it's the Hot Stove Society Show I'm Terry Rutter, the chef in the hat. And I'm Tom, and our audience is uh, someone, some of our audience is grossed out about the last segment. <laughs> Others are licking their lips. <laughs> so it's just uh, the way the, wo- the world works. Let's cure the, uh, the grossness that we just went through in that last segment and with a delicious seasonal fruit salad that utilizes herbs. Sure. Okay, you want to get started? Watermelon fruit salad? Right now, the Make water- one that you haven't made before because you use the feta one all the time. No, no, no. Watermelon and anise isop. If you have any anise isop in your garden, this is the time to pick because it's going to go very quickly here. At the end of summer, it goes quickly. And uh, especially the top part that's got all the seeds and all the flowers in it, that makes for a great seasoning because it's more powerful. There is more flavor in it. So the impact is bigger. So that and a little drizzle, just a tiny bit of rice vinegar and watermelon and you put that together with a little sea salt at the end. At the end. And if you want feta cheese, you can add it. If you don't want it, you don't have to have it. Another recommendation is a diced, uh, very small diced of uh, hot chili pepper in it. And it brings a very beautiful heat to the, to the dish. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to go because we just picked the peaches from our tree. You know, last year, all of our peaches got stolen off of our tree. Right. You know, apparently all the bad stuff, if you read... I heard the, to I the heard news. Everything happens in Seattle, but it turns out there's peach thieves in Prosser, Washington, and uh, so they even a, left the ladder up for us to go make sure there were no peaches left on the tree. So you, you put a padlock on the tree this year, <laughs> yeah, and nobody exactly. came. <laughs> anyway, so I dropped my peaches. I put a little X in the bottom, and I dropped uh-huh. my peaches in boiling water for 10, maybe 15 seconds, depending on their ripeness. If they're really ripe, you don't even need to do this yeah. stuff. But I just dropped them in boiling water for 15 seconds. Pull them back out, let them sit, and then uh, the, skin them just, the skin just pops off. Because I don't like peach fuzz in my fruit salad. Maybe, maybe nectarines, I'm fine with the skin, but peach fuzz is not for me. Then uh, I just think a really simple lemon or lime zest. Like first, before you squeeze it, then squeeze the lime right on top. Add a little uh, grind of black pepper, and you have a beautiful peach salad to go with roast pork, you know, or pork ribs or whatever you want. Because sometimes when you're making a summer meal, it gets mayonnaise heavy, right? It gets, yeah. it gets the beans or baked beans Unfortunately, and potato mayonnaise. salad and macaroni salad. It's all heavy. Yeah. So a beautiful, bright peach salad with your ribs sounds like a good option to me. So also coming up in season is all the plums. And um, a good plum salad is... Absolutely delicious. The Santa Rosa plums we're picking right now. Oh, yeah. so good. Really, really good. Yeah. So plum goes very well with tarragon, which, if, which is also another herb you need to use before the frost comes around because it doesn't make it. It also goes well with thyme. Thyme is a lot of blossom on the thyme right now. Pick all those flowers. 
and crumble them into your salad, and that gives a beautiful flavor. I wouldn't put just stems of, of thyme because that's not going to melt and that's not going to do much to that. You need to have it chopped so it can release the flavor. Yeah, because they're too tough. The right. stems are too tough. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want chewing on, on the herbs you're putting in. There's plenty of fresh herbs right now, like basil. Also goes well with plum. Um, and toasted nuts crunched makes for a wonderful little salad. If you add acid to that, lime is a very good combination with plum. Mm-hmm. Uh, grated ginger goes really well with plum. So fresh ginger grated with plum and a little bit of olive oil and toss that and then put that as a garnish for whatever piece of fish that you have steamed or whatever. It's really good when it's got this, this nice little acid added to it. Makes for a wonderful combination. Again, salted spinach, plum, piece of fish. You get a wonderful meal on your hand. Absolutely. Uh, we're just about uh, maybe two weeks away from picking all of our table grapes that uh, we have growing along the orchard. I was going to do next. And no, uh, they are surprisingly good. You know, I think we're so used to these commercial grapes that don't have a ton of flavor. Uh, these are surprisingly delicious and would be a great little combination. They're purple, so maybe with a little red uh, cherry tomato or the gold. Uh, the go- What are the golden ones called? The golden jubilee or something like that. The little golden uh, tomatoes. So a nice combination of color. Uh, and then uh, I love a little fresh horseradish. So you just, uh, to me, tomatoes and horseradish go great. So you yeah. just grate a little fresh horseradish. Um, not a lot. It's not like you're making a rib steak or something, you know, just a, a nice little accent flavor of fresh horseradish. You'll be surprised because people don't really know what it tastes like. Right. Fresh, right? right? They're used to the jarred stuff. And uh, this is just a beautiful, it looks like uh, grated Parmesan when you grate it. So... And then tomato, of course, is in full season right now, all the way until the end of September, mid-October. So pick all your tomatoes, and you can do curing tomato in, in sugar, and then the next day you take white vinegar and you put all that on top, and then you bake the whole thing up and put it in jar and can it for the winter. You'll have a wonderful tomato jam on your hand. And you can use that in the winter, you know, like if you're doing a roast pork or roast chicken or... Even the pasta, you know, you take it out of the jar and you just put garlic and olive oil, render that gently, add all the tomato on top of it. You don't need to cook it for very long. It's already cooked, basically. So I'm surprised you, just, you put the sugar in there. Well, the, the sugar is to render all that beautiful tomato. So the tomato starts breaking down. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do it with salt because it would be oversalted. And the, the sugar is because there's so much acid in tomato, then it will, it will be almost like, a, you know, we were talking about... Sweet, sour kind of... Th- yeah, sweet. Yeah. So, and, and to me, this is the way to make ketchup. That's how you should make ketchup. You should render your tomato overnight. Then you add the acid the next day, the vinegar. Then you have ketchup on your hand. Well, who would do that when Heinz is right down like in Pittsburgh or something? I like do that because there's so many good tomatoes yeah. instead of... What about know. for a classic uh, breakfast, say brunch, mixed fruit salad? You know, when I grew up on canned fruit cocktail before my mother made the big switch when she was about 50-something uh-huh. to fresh fruit... But, you know, chopped melon, chopped plums. You got to be careful with bananas because they want to mush out in there with not so good. I just do a simple little yogurt, basil and honey and black pepper dressing for right. that fruit salad. And it's just, it's a good brunch salad. I like to do a champagne dressing. Like what? Like what, chef? Like what? Champagne brunch. Dressing? You said it's brunch. I do champagne. Like a Clicquot. Well, no, I don't use Moet the... Chandon. I don't use the expensive one for that. I use a cava or... And it's not champagne dressing. Prosecco. I'm just calling it champagne because I put a dash of champagne vinegar in there. The French would be very angry with you right now. Of course they would be. Let them be. That's the way they are. (laughs) 
Anyway, so you're uh, saying put a little uh, like a champagne vinaigrette on top of your fruit salad? Correct. Okay. So you have, you know, nice acid and it stays very clean. Don't put too much dressing. Always dress, underdress, and then keep trying it. Let it sit on the counter for 15 minutes and then try your fruits and see if it's dressed enough. If it's not dressed enough, you can always add more. But if you overdress right off the bat, you're going to have this overdressed fruit and you're not yeah. going to be able to test the fruit and you're going to hate yourself because it's going to be not And it doesn't hold up. No. So dress uh, maybe half your salad, and then if you need more, dress it. But yeah. once you dress it, you have to make a smoothie out of it. Correct. Which is what my mother-in-law did. She would take the extra salad, and in the morning she would make a smoothie out of her extra salad, croutons and all. <laughs> and that was, that was her breakfast. That I can't like- imagine why she died young. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's good for your guts. Yeah. She was a sweetheart, but that was, that was one of her things that just like, whoa. <laughs> I think she learned from our head gardener, Dev, is my guess. <laughs> All right, let's make shrimp cocktail when we come back. We made fruit salad. Let's make a perfect shrimp cocktail. All right. It's the Hot Stove Show on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. In the daytime, I'm Mr. Natural, just as healthy as I can be. But at night, I'm a junk food junk. Good Lord, have pity on me. At lunchtime, you can always find me at the Whole Earth Vitamin Bar. Shrimp cocktail, shrimp cocktail. Shrimp cocktail, shrimp cocktail. Shrimp cocktail, shrimp cocktail. All right, let's have a shrimp cocktail, shall we? Why not? It's the Hot Stove Show. That's what we do here. We learn how to cook. Right here at the hot stove, and uh, I'm Tom Douglas. And I'm Terry Rotiro, the chef in the hat. And chef, uh, I don't know if you grew up on shrimp cocktail. I doubt you did. No. Uh, any shrimp at all in your life? Yes, plenty. Oh, good. Langoustine. Langoustine. That's not shrimp. Well, that's the closest thing I get to shrimp. Okay. I love langoustine. Langoustines are so yeah. good. You eat them somewhat cold. You eat them the same way as shrimp cocktail, right? You yeah. You just have to shell well, except, them. Except it wasn't a cocktail sauce. It was a... Um, uh, aioli or some, right. some nature of a mayonnaise. You well, know, let's talk about mayonnaise. the shrimp first. Yeah. Okay, so I've, I wrote down a few questions uh, to ask your opinion on because I know that you're going to do it a more classic way and I know I'm going to do it the way I brought up, was brought up where my dad loved shrimp cocktail, but he, he, it was all about quantity for him. It wasn't about <laughs> quality, uh, which is the way he ate sure, in his life, sure. right? That's just the way he was. The shrimp themselves. So I tend to buy wild Gulf of uh, Mexico shrimp yeah. uh, that uh, are not harming the environment, supposedly. Third size 16. Marine Stewardship Council certified, blah, blah, blah. Size 16 to 20. Right. So when you see that in a grocery store, uh, 16 to 20 means on average there's 18 to a pound. Right. right? And so that's kind of how that, when you see 21, 25, so on average there's 23 to a pound. That helps you decide if you know you're going to serve a five shrimp shrimp cocktail it helps you know how much to buy. Also tells you an idea, gives you an idea of the size of the shrimp. Yeah. So uh, shell on or shell off when you or so I pickle them. I put pickling spice in boiling water, and then I just put my shrimp in, and then I pretty much turn the heat off. Exactly the yeah. same. So shell on or shell off. Off. Keep the tail on so people can grab it. Uh huh. But take the shell. So off. you don't like the idea of peel and eat shrimp. No, not because I'm going to present it with a okay. little. Well, a pizzazz. A little salad and, in a glass. And as the French would say, and my idea, My idea of a shrimp cocktail is shrimp hanging from a glass, which is very classic, mm-hmm. right? And then a little salad in the middle of like, you know, I would do like a cucumber pickled, light pickle cucumber salad in the middle. Mm-hmm. 
And then I would have a, if you make me make a ketchup sauce, I will make, like I was mentioning. Nobody's in the last, making you make anything. In the last segment, I would definitely cure my tomato overnight and make a nice little puree of that mm-hmm. the next day with a little vinegar. So I have a, a, a fresh tomato puree slash ketchup. We call it ketchup. I and like I your idea. It, won't be, aioli, it won't be the same. Aioli better, personally. Well, aioli is also the other one because I would uh-huh. make two dipping sauce. I would uh-huh. actually make three because uh-huh. in this time of year, there's so many herbs in my garden. Parsley, basil, tarragon, and um, maybe a little fresh thyme blossoms. Put everything into a blender, a little lime juice, lemon juice, just a tiny bit of it, and then salt and olive oil, mm-hmm. and I would have a salsa verde. So now you've got three shrimp and three sauces. No, f- seven shrimp. Seven shrimp. Ooh, always you're always generous. an even number when you right. do presentation, and uh, seven shrimp, yeah. You can't have three shrimp. What are you on diet? Per person, per person. No, 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 no. No, I'm sorry. It's Seven like, shrimp like, per person? Like oysters. It's, this is six, an appetizer, Six chef. oysters fill up these teeth. Okay, I got a whole rack of them. So, mm. No, I mean, it's like the whole thing about, to me, that's not getting you fat to eat seven shrimp as an appetizer. That's not, it's not well, a What about these thing. being full? Anyway, let's move on from there. And then you can have a meal after that. After your meal. Uh, uh, seven shrimp is not a lot of shrimp. So, if you, if you want to tell somebody, because, you know, putting a 15... 18 shrimp in a pot of boiling water right or a 16 21 or smaller they're going to cook at different times what do you do with to test to make sure that the translucent shrimp is somewhat opaque because i don't like raw or rare shrimp well i wouldn't go past five minutes in any case of any kind because you have boiling liquid you're dropping shrimp in it if you go past five minutes you'll have a piece of rubber on your hand so uh-huh. i would definitely first of all turning the heat down is very important because it takes away that rubberness. The shock is very... You're t- turning it down to a simmer is what you're saying, not a rolling boil. I actually turn the water off. Okay. Yeah, I understand, I, Chef, but I, my question was, let's just say you have really big shrimp. Is there a temperature? Like I would say if they're really big shrimp, let's say 10 and under. Right. So that means 10 to a pound or less. Right, those are big. Uh, you got to put a meat thermometer, like an instant read thermometer in the middle and you want it to be about 130, 135 degrees. Yeah, I would even go for 140. Uh-huh. It's fine. Because then they can sit in the water still and finish cooking. Correct. Yeah, I would definitely... 140, I think, is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Let it sit for a few minutes and then take them out. Or you can actually take them out when they reach 140. Leave them on the counter. As long as you don't cool them down. Don't put them in ice bath or anything like this. And you should not put them in ice bath at any time because it takes... Flavors away. You now yeah. have gotten rid of the flavor you added in the broth. You've blanched them in. So I so, think I think it's very important to make a good broth. Try to you know use the shell if you take if you're doing it like me. <laughs> Problem is you're taking the shell afterward. But if you have any way, to I add, asked you that question earlier. You said take the shell off. Correct. I, I do. Think cooking with the shell on leaves more shrimp flavor. I cook with the shell on, but I take the shell off before I put them on the glass. Oh, yes. Okay. That's what I do. We were confused. Ah. So here's another question. My niece said the other day when I made shrimp cocktail for her, she was visiting from from the East Coast. Um, I always leave. Like if I have a big pot of boiling water with sliced lemons in it, I'm ready to put my shrimp in. Got all my pickling spice in there. It's got allspice and chilies and mustard seed and Mm -hmm. fennel seed, uh, juniper. When I pull my shrimp out... I pull it out with the spice mix, uh-huh. and I serve it with still clinging to the shrimp. I'm not putting mine on a glass. I'm making a big bowl of shrimp cocktail for right, a group, right. right? So 
She thought that was weird to leave all the pickling spice on there. Yes, I think it is. She's right. She's right. Because they're not cooked. They're not. They're they just, are cooked. Well, they're not. Yeah, okay, it's fine. They're cooked. They're still not great to eat. I mean, they're very. But can't potent. you just shake it off when you like Taylor Swift does? She shakes it off. Yeah. So you should. Are you better than Taylor Swift? No, no. I shake it off just like Taylor, but before I give it to my guest. So I shake them off. Uh huh. Then I put them on the glass. Uh, I don't know. I think it's something organic and lovely about the pickling spice still on the shrimp. It's organic and lovely. Have a spoon of it on the side. All right. Don't mess my shrimp. Now, would you ever deign to eat, like when you go into a fish market these days, you'll see little piles of cock, what they call cocktail shrimp. The little tiny, like Oregon uh, shrimp or the shrimp from Chile, the little bit bigger ones from Chile. Or Do you ever purchase those? Never. No. I would never. I mean, we live in a part of the world where spot prawn is the number one go-to right, for six weeks. Item. Mm, if you go in little, I go into a close to Vietnam over there, and I, I pretty much almost all year round I find spot prawn. Okay. But anyway, um, yeah, all the one from. Not sure if, I'm not sure if he just said he poached spot prawns. <laughs> what did you just say? You poach. You're a poacher. That's why I went. I went. Oh, wait, wait. Um, but anyway, no, uh, no, I would. I would never buy those. How about that? Um, if i not sure they are 100% clean and well raised, I will not touch them with a 10-foot pole. How's that? Hmm. And I have a 10-foot pole. I yeah, try I not there's, to. Yeah, I don't like the little tiny, tiny, uh, like Oregon shrimp. Bay shrimp, it's called, right? Yeah, those little bay shrimp. But I don't mind the ones from Chile. They're about an inch and a half or long or so. Yeah, I, I would say for me, it's very important that Indonesia... Any, any part of the world where there is low, low control of how they're raised, don't do it. Just There's don't also do it. the rock shrimp off the Carolina coast, Correct. Uh, which is very popular back there. But they don't have any flavor right? that I can tell. You see them a lot in fritters. Yeah. And no, I mean, there's a few things like this. And, and I don't know. I try to just – I don't do um, shrimp cocktail very often. Uh-huh. So when I do it, I'm just going to think about it just like – just like salmon, just like everything else. It's like wild only. So the one thing that I left out was I make a tomatillo cocktail sauce mm. for my crab cakes down at Etta's or at Seatown. And uh, that is just uh, raw tomatillos with fresh horseradish and mustard, toasted mustard seed. And uh, Sounds potent. It's good. Sounds like it would kick. I like how it, uh, you know, a lot of crab cakes have a mayonnaise binder. So I just like how the acid jumps in and, and uh, perks up the, the heavy. Sounds like it would be good cake. with a roast pork. I made crab cakes at home the other night. My nephew, who's nine years old, this whole thing about coming to Seattle, he wanted to cook dinner together with me. It was so sweet. So we made dinner together. We made gnocchi he really wanted to make. We made crab cakes because that's his favorite. Uh, Just all sorts of deliciousness. Uh, He went and caught uh, salmon that day with Captain Keith. Oh, yeah. And I filleted the fish with him, and then we had salmon for dinner. Nine years old. Nine years old. Chefs in the house. Exactly. Okay, we're going to return to Food for Thought Tasty Trivia brought to you by Rub with Love Spice Rubs on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. The shrimp on ice, or feel free to improvise, but watch the clock is getting late, so bait the shrimp and marinate, and pass the martini glass, wipe it clean and shake it, a hat or paint it, make it extra, take it to the next level and taste the baby.
All right, we're back in the kitchen. It's everyone's favorite time of the week. It's time for Food for Thought Tasty Trivia, brought to you by Rub With Love Spice Rubs. Rub With Love is here to help you become a seasoned veteran in your own kitchen with 19 flavors of rubs, three sauces, and a tasty mustard. You can find our brand products at local grocery stores like QFC, PCC, or Met Market, or Town & Country Markets, also retailers like McClendon Hardware. You wouldn't expect it. But you can find it at McClendon Hardware and Bartell Drugs. There you go. Along with 5,000 5, other locations around the country that sell our products. So if you want an online resource, you can go to Amazon or go to our own site, TomDouglas.com. All right, let's play this game. We have Bruce and Kelsey from the audience jumping into the mic. You know, uh, if you win, you get to go to the gift store afterwards and get three free rubs. Just saying. It's big, big stuff on the line here. I know. This is like... Prize of the day. And then <laughs> Chef Terry's going to play to try and knock you both out of the gift store competition. My job is so to. So he is your enemy the, right now. I'm the gatekeeper yeah, of the I shop. want to see a little sneer at Chef Terry. Because <laughs> everyone always smiles at him. They always think he's so cute. Oh, that's Chef Terry. Love his little accent. I know. I I've been nurturing nothing. it for enough I got, time. I got nothing. Uh, <laughs> you got plenty, Tom. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Chef Terry. Here you go. Which spice is used to turn. Rice, yellow. A spice. There's two answers to this, but uh, I, uh, Liz gave me this one answer. Turmeric. Good. Because you could also use saffron, right? Well, yeah, but that would be a lot more expensive. <laughs> well, that's besides the point, but I'm just saying. I would have taken either. Uh, ice cream encased in meringue is called what? And we're not looking for a French version here. Say, I'm sorry. Ice cream. Yeah? That's on a cookie or cake and encased in meringue. Is considered what? What is it called oh, here? <clears throat> you mean the, um, yeah. I, there's a recipe for it in my first book. No, hold on. If you ever read my book, Chef, you'd be uh, winning right now. What am I making? It's flambé at the last minute, and we used them in wedding when I was a, an apprentice. Mm-hmm. I used no, to make, I don't think you did. Yes, I did. Put the ice cream, meringue No, I understand, it. but I don't think he called it this when you were an apprentice. Baked Alaska. You had baked Alaska in France? It's French. <laughs> <laughs> Who told you, Chef? Because you got that all of a sudden. You somebody. No, somebody because it, told you know you. what it's called in French. Let me let me educate you for a minute. It's baked Alaska in French. It's actually French. It's called omelette norvégienne, which means Norway Norway omelette. Boy, I like baked Alaska better. Seems more positive. You know what? I'm not blaming you on the name, but I'm just telling Here's you. Here's one you should get, Chef. Okay. Creme de cassis is made with what fruit? Black currant. Oh, good job. You're three. For three so far. My mom made it when I was a child, and we had them in the backyard. And I remember, oh, as a kid, very specifically, on that. Oh. trying them trying them as a kid and go, because it looks really cool, you know, you're like, oh, and you eat them, and you're like, oh, my God, what is this? Terrible flavor as a child. You're like, you don't understand why there's no sugar in there. Okay, it's only eight and a half minute segment, go Chef. Ahead. Okay. Uh, which fruit is an al pastor taco? Mango. Which fruit is used for an al pa- uh, Pineapple. Pineapple. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Syrup from raw sugar is known by what name? Syrup from raw sugar. Looks a bit like creme de cassis. I have no idea right now. It's not coming. Uh, I have no idea. It's in my barbecue sauce, my famous ancho. Chile. 
Molasses, bar- <laughs> molasses barbecue sauce. So chef. molasses, I guess. Yeah. So you don't read my book and you don't use my barbecue. That sauce. is true. Both yes. You know, I've been drawing in that book a lot. All right, three for five is your total. Sort oh, sort of nice job. So I'm sorry. One more time. Molasses is not cooked sugar. It's uh, syrup from raw sugar. Oh, raw sugar, not. Yeah, no oh, less. I was in my head. I was thinking uncooked. I'm like, yeah. what is that? That would be sugar cane juice. Got it. Or beet juice. Got it. Kelsey, are you ready? I am ready. You look ready. You got your glasses on. So it's going to be yeah. easy. You look very studious right now. All you have well, to do is hope. Let's hope. All you have to right. do is beat three. Okay. Lint, L-I-N-D-T, is a brand of chocolate from which country? Switzerland. Who is this woman? Right <laughs> off the bat. Nice Very job. nice. You win. I, I always thought sure it came that, from your but... belly. Lint, that's what you pick up from your belly. <laughs> what garnish is used in the drink Negroni garnish? So we know that it's An got... An orange peel? I don't even have, have to give you a clue. What is up with that? <laughs> yes. yes, indeed. Orange peel is right. And sometimes they actually put a lighter to it and yep. yeah. give it a little burn right over the glass, right? Yeah. And sparkles and all sorts of goodness there. When eating sushi, what is the purpose of the ginger, the pickled ginger on the plate? Cleanse the palate. Did you look at my questions before? No. <laughs> well, that's I exactly it. the answer. Cleanse the palate. I, I sent it to her last night. <laughs> Okay, three for three. You're, okay. you're flying. Okay. You're flying so much. Okay, we're done now. We're done. You're flying <laughs> so much that flying fish is the national dish in which Caribbean country? Jamaica? Belgium. Oh, what? <laughs> just say it. Just say it if you were listening. That was funny. I was like, what? <laughs> See, Barbados. Did somebody move Belgium to? <laughs> I got her good that time. Okay, another country question. Stella Artois is beer is from which country? Belgium. Yes. Very good. <laughs> Four out of five. Four out of five. Me. Nice job. You've taken Chef Terry out of the race. Yeah. Uh, that that, that was not, my goal. I'm not getting the rub. <laughs> now you have to worry about Bruce. All right. Anything we you want? Should we Bruce. knock him in the knees or should we do anything to kind of distract him? No, I'm feeling good. You're I'm feeling, feeling good about four out so. of five. Okay. All right, Bruce. It's your turn. Uh, Bruce, what kind of whiskey traditionally goes into a Manhattan? Rye. Oh, nice start, Bruce. One for one. Confidence, full blast. If I it, like that. Yeah. Uh, paprika is, this is a very much a country quiz here. Paprika is sometimes referred to as red pepper from where? Hungary. Yes, indeed. Two for two. Uh, if you look over in our spice rubs over there, you might want to get one of these this afternoon if you win, uh, because there is a jerk rub over there. Which country is the famous jerk spice from? Jamaica. Jamaica. Me a jerk. That didn't, that didn't quite work out. Yeah. Three for three, Bruce. Here we go. Calvados is made from which fruit? Apples. Wow. Are you a foodie? Do you consider yourself a foodie? Yes. Yes. Look at it. Your wife's saying yes. Did she break your, her finger on your face? <laughs> no, and I can't tell the story of how okay. she really broke All right. it. All right. And one more country question. Chorizo is a sausage from which country? Uh, Spain. Ding, 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 oh! ding, ding. We have a five out of five. Nice job. Sorry, he took you out. That's all right. Yeah, That's but all right. we're going to let you shop anyway for oh. three. No, awesome. only two. No, you get two. two. Only two. Okay, okay. okay. You have to two's, be. Two is better than nothing. So exactly. Go. I get zero. So. If you want to be part of the show like Kelsey and Bruce, you can join the community at YouTube Live at Tom Douglas & Co. or buy a ticket to join us right here in the studio. That's a more likely option uh, at hotstovesociety.com. The show is produced by our team here at Tom Douglas, including Liz, 
and Sean. And then Sean, don't call me Del Tori, is at Cairo who does the editing. Also, remember, if you miss any episode of our Hot Stove Society show on Cairo, you can listen via podcast. Just subscribe with your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening and have a fabulous weekend. All right. Two.